Barum is relationships. Barum is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Allison. Oh, hi, Rob. Oh, hi, listeners. We're here to talk about Minute 30, in which this apartment is worse than Grand Central Station, Part 1, a.k.a. Who Are These People, in which Claudette leaves, and we meet two new characters whose... We don't even get their names yet, do we? No. We don't know who they are. As of this minute, we have no idea who they are. Actually, that's it. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> anyway, notes from midnight screening. <laughs> no, I, I do have notes. I have I have a whole section on. This is where we meet Robin Paris, and she's the other one. Of the other ones, as I said last minute, who is better than this film. Can, can we talk about the, the the end of Claudette first? Yes, yes. Let's do that. Go in order. That makes sense. What do you got? Oh, just this whole thing where Lisa's like, you need to leave now. I need to like talk to a client. And I was like, well, what? Like, how did Claudette get here? Like, why? Like, did you invite her over to talk for two minutes just so you could kick her out? I'm so confused. Like, this is one of these things in the movie where it's like, you know, their writing is bad because when people enter and exit scenes, there are no reasons for it. Well, it can be even worse in the script. The earlier scene where Claudette is there starts with Lisa calling her on the phone. And then ends with her walking out the door. <laughs> because like, as he was writing the scene, Tommy forgot that she's in this, in this room. It's pretty amazing. At least the scene, we didn't see her just walk in and then have to leave. Like, she's been there. They're drinking tea. They're hanging out all comfortable. Lisa's got a clipboard. Lisa does say like, I just got off the phone with a client or something, right? I just got done talking with a client and I have to get ready to meet him. Yeah, I just got done talking with a client, which... Clearly she didn't just get done because she's been talking to her mother for at least a minute. We also know that Lisa's just like a turn-on-a-dime temperamental sociopath, so, like, whatever. Well, good for her (laughs) that she has a a client for her highly unsuccessful computer business. Yeah, assuming she's telling the truth. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe she doesn't have a client. Maybe she has another hookup. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Hopefully he's not whoring around and won't give her breast cancer. I'm trying to remember how the script goes originally, because this is earlier. I think she is talking about Mark. I think in the script, like, it goes from sex scene to, from after drinking, to her talking to, calling Mark, to her talking to her mother, to Mark coming over. I I heard they were going to do this hot new sex thing where you put various pieces of chocolate on your body and you have your partner eat them off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's called a chocolate screwdriver. <laughs> I didn't know we were talking about in that much detail. Uh, so, yeah. Might as well have some fun with the names. You know? Get creative. Yeah. If you let some of the chocolate melt, so then they really have to, like, lick it off. Well, yeah, you gotta do this when you're already sweaty from, like, not just, we just sat on the couch. It's middle of sex scene three. You're sweaty because you've been podcasting and you had to turn all the fans off in your room. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Then you just set chocolate on you, and once it melts, <laughs> they have to eat it off. That's why. You- Hold on, let me grab my chocolate. That's how you know when you're done podcasting. <laughs> the chocolate has. Melted. Well, that's why I use M and M's for the chocolate screwdriver. <laughs> um, <laughs> best guest ever I'm lost now um, Agent Cody Spanks Claudette leaves so thank you. Can I just talk to you later? Okay I will see you later Bye bye uh, We get an exterior shot of the apartment building Which is nice uh, Even though they had no permission to use that exterior And just kept pointing a camera at it One day and then Michelle and Mike come in, though we will not learn their names until two minutes from now. This is one of those things that takes the movie from like, like amazing to super. Like, yeah, the idea that they just were like, ah, eh, we're just gonna have two people walk in and start having sex. Well, yeah, up until this point, the the plot, the story is relatively normal. This is what thirty yeah. minutes in. Yeah, minute thirty, two new characters, sex scenes in. We don't know them. 30 minutes and three sex scenes in, we're introduced to two new characters who just show up with... I was trying to read what her book is, but I could not read the title. Blurry. We need a 4K restoration of this thing. And the door's unlocked. Yeah, the door's unlocked. I'm not sure they have a lock. Well, do they... It's possible that Michelle and Mike have a key. Oh, true, true. They could have a key. But we've also seen... Well, Denny could have a key, too. Yeah, well, everyone walks in. It's, It's like, if everyone has a key, do you need to lock it? Yes. Well, then maybe they're really careful about who they give keys. Well, Johnny's a trust trusting person. Yeah, and this is Lisa's friend and Johnny's friend together, so they certainly are trust totally trustworthy. But if Denny has the key, he might have he might be doing drug drug deals in the in that room. He puts his, he stores his drugs in the chair room. Yeah. Now, um, Robin Paris is she has recently, of course, produced the room actors. Where are they now? It involves all the various actors of the movie, except for Greg and Tommy, and fictional accounts of what they're doing, and it's hilarious. It's fictional? Um, so it's like a, it's like yes. a mockumentary? Yeah. Yes. Like, they do great things like, um, Philip Haldeman, Denny, is like homeless at one point, and they have a thing where the guy playing Peter gets knocked into a pool, but then when they edit, the guy who comes out of the pool is the guy that replaces Peter's character later in the film. So it's pretty good. Michelle, uh, or Robin Paris actually has a BA in public policy studies from Duke University and an MFA in screenwriting from UCLA. Oh. And has won, oh my God, I have a list, several screenwriting awards for a feature she made called, or she wrote called Odd Man Out, which is about a family with a schizophrenic child. And she won the Harmony Gold Award for Excellence in Screenwriting, a Jack Nichols Screenwriting Award, Oliver's Prize in Screenwriting for Children, National Association of Theater Owners of California and Nevada Fellowship, and was nominated for... And she's in this movie. So why is she in here? She is better than this movie. (laughs) We'll talk about how she got into this movie, but she wasn't originally playing Michelle. She was cast on short notice because she was amazing in her audition. My entirety of notes for Mike is Mike is Mike Holmes in a script he's called Brand. I know nothing about this guy. He apparently doesn't have social media or uses different names for it. And he has not, despite being one of the more famous things from this movie, apparently has not made a big effort to capitalize on it. So his whole character is just that he's kind of horny, right? Yeah, he's and he's embarrassed about it because later he's the he's the underwears guy. 
They're supposed to be young college students. College students? They feel a little older than that, but they're supposed to be college They should be more, well, Denny is older than a bunch of them in reality, but <laughs> Denny is supposed to be 18. Age-blind casting. That's what we need in Hollywood. Age-blind casting. Age-blind. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I want to see Helen Mirren doing Charlie's Angels stunts. Well, we need that anyway. How much time do we have? Michelle asks. Mike says, I don't know, uh, <laughs> a couple hours, at least. They don't. Mike is wrong. Mike is wrong. <laughs> I think Mike's been wrong a lot in his life. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'll be very wrong in the next few minutes later. That's just who Mike is. He's the weird guy in the group. Which is saying something. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you just hear the sentence you said? <laughs> uh, the guy that replaces Peter, he's, he's trying to be the weird guy in the group. Not managing too boring. At least Mike's interesting. Let's have some fun. And of course he tells us, did you, uh, know that chocolate? It's the symbol of love. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> and this dialogue is straight out of the script. What else is a symbol of love? A heart. A, a Valentine's Day card. Yeah. Roses, obviously. Roses. A dress. A, a, a brand new dress. It has to be. Uh, pizza. Do you say pizza? <laughs> yeah, that's Lisa's love language. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my love language is acts of service and you stuffing food in my mouth. <laughs> Melted chocolate on flesh. <laughs> That's Mike's love language. Uh, any other notes on this minute? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, it's been a hoot. It's Friday. It's we got stuff to talk about. Time. It's Friday. Friday. It's Friday. Friday. It's Friday. Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the Before we get to Friday business, we have notes from a midnight screening. Notes from a midnight screening. Claudette says, You don't want to talk to me. Because you're a woman. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I just got done talking with a client and I have to get ready to meet him. What do you do? (laughs) That's a good one. Okay. I will see you later. Bye-bye. Whenever someone leaves, the audience says, you just got here. Not technically true in this scene, <laughs> because this scene started, she was already there. But they do still scream it. It is implied that she just got here, though. It, it, it's been recent, yeah, because she just got done talking to the client. So it is recent, but not as recent as some. Uh, Lisa, sitting by herself after she says bye, we get, dear diary, my mom's a bitch. <laughs> and she has cancer. <laughs> yeah. uh. Exterior apartment building? Meanwhile, in San Francisco. Meanwhile. And Michelle and Mike enter. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) Followed immediately by spoons. And spoons get thrown at the screen because they stop in front of the table with the spoons on it. Ah. Spoons are a symbol of love. Spoons are the ultimate symbol of love. Oh, they are now. How else do you give food to people? Food is love. That's the message of this film. Food is love. Food is life. But it is Friday, so we have other business. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Bad movie of the week. Ah! Ah! 
What have you got for us? So I've got the 2004 Wolfgang Peterson film, Troy. Okay. That's for oohs and ahs. Big, well, big budget movie with real actors. Yes, real actors. You got your Brad Pitt as Achilles, Eric Bana as Hector, Orlando Bloom as Paris. Wait, Orlando Bloom's in that? Yep. I forgot that. Um, Lady from National Treasure as Helen of Troy. Lady from National Treasure. I'm of a certain generation where I'd like, that's like national treasure is a go-to for me. I don't know, but you don't know her name. (laughs) (laughs) She she weirdly has a bigger role in the movie than she does in the Iliad. Uh, arguable. Okay. Who else is in this movie? Sean Bean as Odysseus. Um, some, some, some doofuses as Menelaus and Agamemnon that most people probably know, but I don't remember their names. (laughs) Some doofuses. Now I got to look up. Um, Keep going. Who plays, who's, who's King Priam? It's some, some, uh, not Peter Serafinowitz. Who is it? Some, some actual actor. Priam, Priam, Priam. Priam, Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. Yeah, he, he delivers a pretty solid performance. Oh, Menelaus is Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Uh, and Brian Cox is Agamemnon. So yeah, you know. Now why, what makes this a bad movie? It's, it's a bad movie. I mean, it's an adaptation of the Iliad, mm-hmm. and you get the Trojan Trojan horse stuff, which technically isn't in the Iliad, right? And it's actually written by David Benioff, which is hilarious. Uh, if if you are in the post Game of Thrones world, mm-hmm. um, yeah, now he's somebody. Oh, it, it's just it's something you never. It's it's the Iliad. It's the greatest. It's the, it's the greatest story ever told, and it's just kind of turns into this like like dud of a movie where you're like oh i guess i guess that happened uh yeah like like, there's no there's no drama to any of it there's no it's it's like three hours long it wants to be this great sword and sandals post gladiator epic but they don't understand like all the decisions they make are so weird i i think of it like the phantom menace like i love it but i don't like i just want to know how they got there like (laughs) <laughs> like it's like it's not it's not technically well, a bad movie like all, like all, like standing on its own it's probably pretty good like it's not as bad as probably most of the movie it's not troll 2 or anything right but like it's 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 just so weird and i want to know how and why what's well, interesting that you you want to know how and why because the thing i remember troy for is not the movie itself but the dvd because when that like mid tooth mid aughts I was really into like extras on DVDs, like the commentary tracks and the behind the scenes stuff. And Troy, the DVD has wonderful extras, like documentaries on how they did certain stunts or how they did the sets and a great commentary track. Yeah, because there's some stuff in that movie that's like really great. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm- it's, it's a different kind of bad movie than I often use, like the bad movie phrase as, because it's done competently but still doesn't quite work i will say brad pitt as achilles is it's pretty gifted casting if i may say so yeah i recently wrote a a paper for college about achilles as a like a, as a sexual object achilles from the movie is a sexual object um, achilles as a character okay and including his portrayal in this movie because it's it's so fascinating that we we get this we get this achilles who is he's born to die essentially 
he's born, and if death is the ultimate form of objectification, as uh, Simone Weil would argue, some weird academic talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> then he's literally like he's literally designed to be objectified, and it's interesting that the way he deals with his agency in life is through his his sexuality. So famously, Agamemnon takes his concubine from him, and so by by removing Achilles's sexual object from him, you actually you remove his sexual agency and you objectify Achilles in his own right. And so it's really interesting that we cast someone like Brad Pitt as Achilles because we make him a sexual object to the audience, reminding us that this is a character like reminding us that this is a character who is doomed to die and who is just only here for our visual pleasure and not actually not actually deserving of like a, a full meaningful life. See, you're making it sound good. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really weird because the, the, the Achilles stuff in the movie is weirdly really good. He has a line early on when he's talking to Odysseus where Odysseus comes in and is like, we need you to fight. And Achilles says, what am I, the whore of the battlefield? And you're like, what? <laughs> amazing piece of dialogue. Like, oh my God. And then you get scenes where like Odysseus sees a soldier like, whittling a horse out of wood and then he's like hmm maybe i'll make a giant horse <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because i forgot orlando bloom was in it and that made me think of kingdom of heaven which i think came out the same year which is like a crusades movie that had similar problems where it's really well put together it has some moments that are fantastic but overall it's just kind of like yeah well, that happened it's because it's because the Iliad is such an old form of storytelling that there's there's yeah. no way to make sense of the 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 arc of the the story not not directly no you have to transform it you have to add things and obviously we don't get like gods in Troy we kind of just get like regular human drama which I think is an interesting choice that they pull off most of the way I, I my complaint about Troy is never that they don't include the gods. But it does kind of leave some questions about like character motivation sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, a, it's just a movie I love to talk about. And I know it's not bad. It's not as bad as some others, but it's, it's just, it's wild. It's well, so yeah, weird. We've talked about Troll 2 on this show and Jim Cotta. <laughs> we'll talk about whatever, really. We talked about the animated Lord of the Rings movie. No, no. Well, that that's not a bad movie. It's just an incomplete movie. Um, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and, well, wait, no, there's two of them, aren't there's there? There's The Hobbit, and then there's The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Okay, The Hobbit one is pretty good. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings one is garbage. I don't remember it, so maybe that's true. Maybe that's why. <laughs> it's because it wasn't very good. And it's not even fun to watch like The Room is. It's just like, oh, like, it's so, it's so boring. Like, oh, my God. Well, the worst bad movies are the ones that get boring. I think I've mentioned it before, but Dangerous Men, for example, took like 25 years to make, and the director is awful and doesn't know what he's doing. Similar to the room. <laughs> but you watch the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie. I watched, when I finally watched it, I was like, this is my new favorite bad movie. It is insane. It's introducing multiple characters in multiple locations. In like five minutes, we don't know who any of them are or what's going on, and stupid things happen, and a girl's boyfriend gets killed, and she runs off with the guy who killed him. 
and you don't know why until later. She's trying to like, get revenge. But then the middle, there's this middle like 40 minutes is so boring. You just forget what's going on on screen. It's like, if you just kept up the craziness, at least it'd be entertaining bad, which this movie does. But the room keeps crazy. I would argue that the, the beginning of the room is weird because you get all these sex scenes and it just gets really boring. And, yeah. and then it picks back up. But then you get half hour in, hey, brand new characters doing weird <laughs> stuff. Exactly. And cancer. And in a few minutes, we're going to meet Chris R. And then we're like, where is this movie going? Oh. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, how's your sex life, Tyler? Oh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, could be better. You thought I was going to ask about your podcast. <laughs> no. got to catch him off good, guard. Good turnaround. Good yeah, turnaround. I'd like to switch it up. If the listeners want to hear more from you, where can they do so? Well, it's a podcast that I do with my sister called Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, in which we talk about uh, a not very sexy movie. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> Unless you're into Foxes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's really the Robin Hood for the modern generation. Huh. You know about, you guys know about that? How people are just weirdly attracted to Disney Robin Hood? To the Robin Hood Fox? Yeah. No. I didn't know that, but Maid Marian was kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a very common thing. Uh, and then also, uh, Nala from The Lion King people are notoriously attracted to. Dude, in that one shot when he's on top of her? <laughs> And the camera zooms in. It is so male gazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we talk Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is a solid movie. Although Felicity does get pregnant twice over the course of the movie. So there is there is some implied sex happening. <laughs> but we don't get multiple sex scenes? N- no. And I would not want to see those. But yeah, uh, anywhere you find podcasts, listen to me and my sister Condra as we talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is a great movie. Objectively better than The Room. I pray. (laughs) Okay. But he's not wrong when people make fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening, and remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!